Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Our next guest is Rachel Froggett from uh, Whisper, which is Women in Sport Aotearoa. She is the CEO. Uh, welcome, Rachel, and uh, happy International Women's Day. Kia ora. Thank you very much. It's actually our birthday today as well, so I'm actually having a really brilliant day today. It <laughs> <laughs> is outstanding. When, when you, when you uh, founded uh, or were involved in the founding of, of Whisper, was uh, uh, pairing it with International Women's Day uh, an idea or was it a happy accident? It actually was. Our first meeting, um, as I recall, was slightly before my time, actually. I was a bit late to the party. Um, the Our co-founders, Julie Patterson and Sarah Lieberman, got our 22 foundation members together at the end of 2016 and asked them quite a simple question. You know, do we think that the sports system will be able to achieve equity on its own or does it need a, a positive intervention? And obviously the, the answer was pretty unanimous that it needed help uh, and Women is Born Aotearoa was born and launched on International Women's Day 2017. Now, you've written a, a great article which is in uh, newsroom.co.nz today about a milestone day for women in sport in Aotearoa. Mm. Um, and, and obviously, you've been involved for a while and you've talked about the you know the four uh, big events coming up. The one that's currently underway, the Cricket World Cup. Uh, we have the Women's Rugby World Cup in October, the Football World Cup co-hosting uh, in 2023 as well, and the International Working Group Conference here in November mm. as well. Uh, you guys are busy. It, it, it feels like since 2016, You've, you, you have achieved a lot. How does it feel from your point of view? Do you know, it's a really nice thing to stop and I think take a little bit of a stock. You know, I, when I was writing the article for Newsroom, I was, I was kind of thinking about how lonely it was. You know, five years ago, we were sort of out on our own. There wasn't a lot of system or political interest in addressing the inequities in sport. And I think one of the things I, I found that's just been so special over the last five years has been the enormous kind of, you know, wave of support that's grown from a few dozen people five years ago to, I think, thousands, you know, today. And there's thousands up and down the country right now delivering the Women's Cricket World Cup to such a spectacular standard. You know, we just couldn't have imagined what that would look like five years ago. So it has changed a lot. And one of the things we're excited about today and we've launched is a brand new Women in Sport Aotearoa Insight Hub. And we're actually inviting people all over the sport and our recreation system to tell us their stories of the things that they are doing to improve the experiences for women and girls in sport and recreation. You know, show us examples and case studies and research and insights to help one another because there's so many people doing great work. We can all learn from, from one another. So we've come a long way. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I bet you have. I mean, from the outside looking in, you know, I look at it and I think, well, uh, we've definitely seen a growth in the profile of female athletes at the top end, talking, you know, the white ferns, the black ferns, the football ferns, um, Zoe Sadowski's at some of our Olympians. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the real grassroots, the kids coming in, that feel-good factor, you know, when you see uh, five or six-year-olds, mm-hmm. uh, girls running around playing whatever sport it is. Um, and, and those are great things. And, and we're seeing more and more of that. But it feels to me like your biggest challenge uh, in terms of getting not only recognition for, but also funding for and opportunities for, will, mm. would be that, that group of women in the middle who want to play social sport uh, and, and maybe want to progress from maybe high school athletes into something else that isn't mm. at the top end. Yeah, and, and I think that is the crux of the work that we still need to do as a sport and recreation system across Aotearoa. We've made massive strides, as you've just described, in the elite level um, and even at the sort of school sports level in terms of diversifying opportunities for young girls and young women um, to get involved in sport. And actually Sport New Zealand's just um, released a new campaign called It's My Move, which is directed at teenage girls about getting them moving in non-traditional ways you know, outside of the sport. Um, organised sports system you might say but you're absolutely right it is that middle group and that's the bit that we need to chip away at and there's a lot of research that shows that women start to drop drop off from playing sport or getting involved in recreation from university age onwards and as they move into their careers and as they perhaps start families and things like that they actually drop away and often don't come back until their late sort of 30s early 40s and there's a huge gap in the middle there so why is the system not servicing that group you know as well as it, as it could there's a whole raft of issues going on there around you know the lack of available you know opportunities venues not being appropriate you know particularly bathroom facilities and change facilities um, the fact that things are not convenient you know I often use a, an example of my my cousin who has three young children um, under the age of 10 and the only recreational sport in her community is social netball which is from 6 till sort of 7 30 8 o'clock at night which is exactly when she's feeding her kids and organizing them for the next day you know, so we need to think about actually shaping the system around the needs of the user as opposed to delivering a kind of one size fits all and expecting the user to fit into that. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it's the easy thing and the obvious thing to say, but I guess it's about availability of people to run things and availability of venues. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you talk about uh, your cousin, for example, and, you know, that's bedtime and, and dinner time for the kids, mm-hmm. uh, six to mm-hmm. later. It feels like, uh, for you know, I know stay-at-home mums isn't so much of a thing anymore, but it's, it's really during mm-hmm. the day, isn't it? It's in those school hours that is really where you need to make the availability. Yeah, and there's some really interesting innovations happening around the country. Netball's actually a really good example of this, where they have social netball at lunchtime, which mm. I think is fantastic, because that's actually when particularly mums who might be perhaps only working a few days a week or might be you know, managing things around uh, school-age kids, it's a perfect opportunity for them to get together and have a social interaction. And particularly in the wake of, and I, I say the wake, uh, tongue-in-cheek of COVID-19, you know, and the impacts that that's had on well-being and health and mental health in particular, that social connection and that ability to actually be able to feel part of a community and not isolated is really, really important, and sport plays an enormous role in that. 
It, yeah, it does. It does. And obviously, that is a challenge going forward for, for, for Whisper. But, I mean, we did mention at the, at the start there, you know, the big events uh, that are coming up. Mm. One is here, the Cricket World Cup at the moment. How have you noticed, uh, since your involvement in Whisper, uh, the change in the visibility mm. of top-level women's sport? And I, I guess mm. um, having people embrace it and, and show genuine interest. Mm. And I think you can trace it back, you know, sort of, you know, early early doors for, for women's for Aotearoa. Fairly soon after we were established, um, we obviously had a change of government and an incoming uh, Sport and Recreation Minister, the Honourable Grant Robertson, who just laid his, his you know, stick right out at the very beginning and said achieving equity within the sport and recreation system for women and girls, for people with disabilities and for other disadvantaged groups is my most important, you know, goal over the next few years. And what's been really impressive is he's been completely immovable from that and he's been able to bring Sport New Zealand, High Performance Sport New Zealand, the sports system along that journey and path. We've been able to contribute to that as we go along as well. Um, and I think that one of the big, you know, outcomes of that, um, and it's funny because people often talk about, you know, you must be so grateful that the, the World Cups have come. And it's like, well, they haven't come by accident. <laughs> They've come by strategy. You know, and there's been a huge number of people working in the background across multiple government, um, you know, in, uh, ministries to, to bring those here. But also massive credit to, to New Zealand cricket, to New Zealand rugby and to New Zealand football for their vision and their investment and their commitment to growing the women's game in those three codes and what's been really impressive is the legacy programming that they've built in behind it so it's not this kind of huge flash in the pan for you know four or five weeks it's actually got an entire growth strategy and investment behind it whether uh, actually coming back to your earlier question about actually keeping girls in sport for a lot longer so inspiring that, that younger group to have role models you know like your Sophie Devine but actually then continuing on and following through and continuing healthy you know lifestyles um, right into adulthood yeah, and that is uh, that is a challenge, and, and once again, it is about availability, and it is about, uh, as you mentioned, facilities mm. that are uh, that that are right for for everyone. Um, Mm. What about uh, in terms of the general mindset of, uh, I guess, of the public and of corporates, uh, mm. and, and you, uh, you've addressed government, uh, towards female sport and female participation? I mean, what are, the, mm. uh, are there still uh, uh, some that hold, ba- uh, you know, hold things back, or, or are you finding that it is changing? Oh, it's definitely changing. It's changed a lot. Um, we've been under, able to unpack some quite established ideas, to be honest, about about the involvement of women and girls in sport and recreation over the last five years. And I think the amazing thing I think about it is that when you have those key influences right at the front being very visible, very loud, very committed to what they're doing, it often brings more and more interested parties into the mix. And over the last couple of years, we've seen some really great work emerge from um, organisations like Spark Sport, who are a partner of ours, who has put in um, you know, mandates around balance of presenters, balance of, of coverage of women's sport, etc. So there's a real kind of commitment at that top end there. But we're also starting to see, and, and I'd love to see more of this, and I appreciate that it's, it's held back by COVID-19, but much more investment from our corporate and business um, partners into women's sport and into that growth. I think there's an awful lot of research that says that a lot of consumer decisions are made by, you know, either in partnership between um, the, the man and the woman or the, the woman and the woman or the man and the man, you know, often uh, we find business are directing a lot of their messaging at one 
person, you know, in the in the family group, and actually being able to broaden that and be able to have a conversation with women and the decision makers in the household that way um, could actually drive a lot of awareness and, and product development opportunities for a lot of businesses. And we're seeing some really great work from organisations like ANZ who are, are doing a spectacular job with the Women's Cricket World Cup at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. Uh, Dana Johansson, I don't know if you've, uh, you're aware of it, but she's uh, halfway through a series called State of the Union about rugby in New yep. Zealand, women's rugby in New Zealand. And David Berry uh, is a professor on the free market that she had on, and, you know, he talked mm. about AIG and their involvement with New Zealand rugby. Yep. Uh, and while that sponsorship was on the all-black jersey, AIG were very mm. much, they want women as part of the mm. image that they are portraying. So uh, the black friends were as much uh, the sell for them on that as the all-blacks yep. were. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I absolutely think that that comes, um, you know, AIG, a perfect example of this, that global mentality is, is very progressive compared to sometimes still what we're seeing in the domestic market here. Um, but we'd love, to, you know, those examples are so perfect because other organisations can see what can be done with those properties and actually work with them um, to understand the potential in terms of reaching consumers through those, those opportunities. But, um, yeah, I, what I loved about the AAG campaign, you probably remember they had a great um, commercial a couple of years ago that equally balanced the All Blacks and the Black Ferns and the yes. way that they presented them and the and the, the kind of tonality, you know, of it as well was, was equal in, in their viewpoint of them as elite athletes. And all of those things start to contribute together as well. You know, obviously we're going into a Rugby World Cup this year where our Black Ferns will be fully paid professional athletes for the first time in their history, which is extraordinary when they actually hold five previous World Cups and this is the first tournament that they will actually be paid athletes but all of those things all start to be puzzle pieces that come together that push um, progression now, uh, this morning we've been doing the Mount Rushmore of female athletes in <laughs> New Zealand, Rachel. Um, yeah. And uh, each guest I've been getting on has been giving us their, you know, their nod as to, to one face that they would see chiselled mm. into in, into that mountain. Uh, Zoe Sadowski Sinnott um, has been mm. mentioned. Val Adams has been mentioned. Sarah Hidani has been mentioned as well. Mm. Susan Devoy. I mean, if I was going to ask you for one name, one face we're going to chisel into that mountain, mm. who would it be? Uh, absolutely hands down, Dame Sophie Pascoe. She's just absolutely outstanding. I think she's she's just somebody that in 50 years' time we'll still be talking about in terms of her achievements at the Paralympic Games, but not just, you know, as, a, as an athlete and as an extraordinary high-performance athlete, but her work in the community and her work with Paralympics New Zealand to change perceptions of disability, to change perceptions of women with disability in sport and physical activity. So absolutely Dame Soph, and I've known her for a few years now, and she's a legend, so I'm very happy to nominate her. <laughs> yeah, great stuff, Rachel. Hey, listen, thanks very much for coming on, and happy birthday to Whisper again. Thank uh, enjoy you. Enjoy it, and, and best of luck Absolutely. with the, uh, the year to come and, and, and you know, all the uh, yeah. big events that you guys have lined up. Absolutely, and, and for your listeners listening out, about 3 o'clock today we're going to be reopening registrations for the IWG World Conference on Women in Sport, which is one of the big four uh, major sports events coming here in the next two years. It's taking place in November, and we're expecting about 1,200 international sports leaders from the International Olympic Committee, World Rugby and so forth to be crossing our borders. Isn't that an amazing thing to think people will be coming across the borders into New Zealand to, to visit and together? So yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, that'll be fantastic. Uh, just quickly, before we let you go, where can people um, jump on to, to be a part of it? 
Yeah, so jump on to womeninsport.org.nz and you'll find lots of information there about all the work we're doing at the moment. Good stuff, Rachel. Thank you very much for your time again. Uh, well-written article. I enjoyed that on newsroom.co.nz. Go well and enjoy Whisper's birthday. Kia ora, thank you. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.